Hi, true crime fans. You're tuning into Coffee, Murder, and Mystery, a true crime podcast where we discuss murder, mystery, and the supernatural. Don't forget to hit subscribe. I'm Melissa. I'm Jeff. This podcast requires a trigger warning as it's one of what seems to be becoming a small series with unfortunate child deaths. Nature versus nurture. Is it your personality that defines you as a whole when you are born or is it solely environmental influence that shape you into the person who you will become? Nature versus nurture has been debated for decades. I tend to take a middle ground stance. I think it's a bit of both nature and nurture who define who you're to become. But when a child hurts another child, is it nature or nurture? After all, development is still in process. You know, it could either it could go either way. It could be quelched or it could be, you know, made worse. But how can a ten year old child have evil tendencies? Yeah, that's pretty dark. I mean, are some people actually born evil? It's like a glitch in the developmental matrix. Robert Thompson was subject to abuse at home. According to crimeinvestigation.co.uk, he was physically and sexually abused by his father, as well as watched his father abuse his mother and siblings. But in the case of John Venables, there did not seem to be abuse. There was no clear outlook on why or how this boy was capable of the violent act that he committed. It seems like he was more of the follower here. Yes, that's true. And during the trial, that was also true. But looking at them as they grew and what they became, I'm not sure I agree with that. (laughs) Right, because he ended up way worse. No spoilers. On February 12, 1993, at the age of just 10 years old, Robert Thompson and John Venables skipped school, as they often did, and went to the New Strand Shopping Center for the day. They spent the morning stealing modeling paint, batteries, a troll doll, sweets, and checking out children smaller than them. They were looking for a victim for a premeditated day of torture. Skipping school at 10... I don't know. I just I don't think I ever even had the thought of skipping school in like the fifth grade. Yeah, I don't think I skipped school until in ninth grade. I was still kind of scared to skip school. I think it was mainly tenth. Yeah, I think once I became mobile, was I was definitely skipping school <laughs> more frequently. Right. Like I have a nine-year-old, and I can't even imagine him skipping school. Right. Like where not is he? Not knowing where he was for the day. <laughs> right. Yeah. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm guessing the shopping center was probably close to the school. I didn't look that up. I would assume it's probably possible, but I don't know because they do seem to take quite the walk. They seem quite mobile on feet there. Yeah, they do. uh, They do cover some ground for sure. Denise Bolger was at the shopping center as well that morning. She was running errands and her two-year-old son, James, seemed to be in high spirits, running off every few minutes excitedly as toddler boys tend to do. While she was purchasing her meat from the butcher, she had her back turned momentarily. It was then that Thompson and Venables can be seen on CCTV taking the hand of James and leading him away from his mother. It was it was 3.40. On CCTV footage, Denise can be seen running around looking for her child that was just standing next to her moments ago. On another security camera, the three boys can be seen on the upper floor of the shopping center. It took those two 10-year-old boys one minute and 39 seconds 
to get this two-year-old boy, James, out of the shopping center. That is not a long time. It is not. A minute and a half. They took that boy and they took him with a purpose. And once you're out, it really becomes... I mean, I guess like the odds of finding it, finding a child go down dramatically once they're out of the store that they were in. Right. Because obviously you're going to look in the store first. Right. I, I just imagined her running back and forth thinking he just wandered off. I don't know how long it was before she called, you know, like an, their emergency service line in the UK. But, I mean, you would probably give it at least 10 minutes of looking. Yeah. You'd, yeah. yeah, you're not going to call like... Immediately. You know, yeah. Thinking he's just right around the corner or... And by then, 10 minutes later, I mean, they could be a half mile down the road. Right. Wow. One of the boys would later admit that they had originally discussed stealing a child and taking him to a busy road to push him into traffic. But instead, the boys took him on a walk to the Leeds and Liverpool Canal, which was a quarter of a mile from the shopping center. They dropped him on his head, causing injuries to his face, and laughed and joked about pushing him into the canal. A witness recalled later that he saw the three boys together and poor James was crying his eyes out. They then took him across Liverpool, 2.5 miles. 38 people recalled seeing the boys on this 2.5 mile walk. Most bystanders said nothing. A few did question the boys, but when the boys said that it was their little brother or the boy was lost and they were walking him to the police station, people proceeded to mind their own business and go on with their day thinking nothing was wrong. Witnesses reported seeing things like one boy on each side of James holding his hands as if they were leading him somewhere. One boy kicked James in the ribs, not terribly hard, but hard enough to be persuading. One boy take James by the shoulders and shake him briskly. So what are you supposed to do if you're one of the people that sees this going on? And... I feel like that's a really difficult situation. You know, there have been multiple times where, because, you know, I'm a, I'm a mother... There have been multiple times where I've seen children like wandering kind of by themselves, like in the store. And I've stopped and I've watched them to see like, is their parent there? Are they lost? I've never done that. Well, you know, I mean, you don't have children. Yeah, I would probably not even notice something like that. But like as a mother, I I feel like most mothers, as mothers, like we don't want the bad person to find the kid that's wandering around because their mother turned their head for a second. Right. So, but in this, all these cases, their parents were always, you know, 10 feet away and the kid was safe and I was just being crazy. I mean, this is clearly, there's clearly no parental supervision going on here though. If you're, if this is something that you're seeing, go, go down the street. Well, the thing is, is that I feel like if somebody was to tell me that the boy was lost and they were taking him to the police station, I would probably intervene at that point. Yeah, that's not good enough. Uh, yeah, with two 10-year-old boys, I, I would say no. Like, I'm, I'm going to intervene with them. Yeah, why don't you just hang out here, and uh, we'll call the police. This is this is before cell phones and that, though. You it can't is. just, like, do-do-do. <laughs> oh, please. Right. But if they were to tell me it was their little brother, two-year-olds cry and scream, and they get bruises, and they fall. Yeah. I would probably believe that. I would probably, I might worry all right, would, you boys get home. I would probably think it was none of my business. That's rough. It is. It is. Because I would like to say somebody should have done something, 
No, I'm but not. I'm like, not saying that they should have, but that's why. That's why well, I brought it up. Like, what do you do? You know? I'm saying me. Like when I was reading this story, and I've always known of this story. You know, my mother actually used to use this story as something to keep us in line. You know, something to make us not go far from her. My mom used the John Walsh one, the America's Most Wanted guy, because yes. that was pretty popular when I was when I was young. But what I'm saying is that I would I would like to think somebody should have done something, but then I put myself in that situation while I was researching this, and I just can't say. It would be hard. It would be hard to put yourself in that situation thinking that was the little brother. You know, I feel like they would almost be reprimanded if that were a true story. You know, like, if it was their little brother, their parents would be like, what are you, a, you know, and, unknown and now, adult? And now you have just abducted three children. <laughs> so I'm talking to my children and taking them here or right. taking them to the police station. <laughs> yeah, you can't win, really, on that. Yeah, it's a difficult situation for sure. The boys entered the village of Walton and fearlessly stood across the street from the police station with this poor little boy they had taken from his mother and proceeded to take him up a steep embankment to the railroad tracks at the Walton and Anfield Railway Station. They removed his shoes, socks, pants, and underwear. They threw modeling paint in his left eye, kicked him, stomped on him, threw bricks and stones all over poor two-year-old James. They also found batteries in his mouth. Boys found a railway fish plate, which is apparently a 10-kilogram or 20-pound iron bar and dropped it on the boy, causing skull fractures. Poor James had 42 injuries, 10 being skull fractures when they laid him on the railroad tracks, putting debris on him to hold him down. This poor little two-year-old had been beaten so badly that the medical examiner could not pinpoint the fatal blow. But he could say that the boy was deceased before the train came, slicing him in two. His body was discovered on 2-14-1993. That all being horrendous, obviously, I, I kind of feel glad for whoever was driving the train because it said he was dead before. Oh, right. I didn't even think of that. I mean, that would be some tremendous guilt. I, I, I wonder if they even knew that they had run him over. I mean, because he was covered with stuff. I'm sure they look ahead while they're... <laughs> driving the train i mean or sleep right but depending on how covered with the stuff he was i mean he was a very small body you know if he was entirely covered with stuff it might not have looked like a little boy i don't know i mean if there's any train conductors out there you can email us right and let us know yeah and then we'll let everybody know the boys admitted later that they thought the train running over poor james would make it seem like an accident like the boy wandered off and ended up on the train tracks and there would be no evidence left of what they had done. The two-year-old boy walked three miles and then tripped and fell unconscious onto a train track. I mean, I know we're not dealing with, like, criminal masterminds here, but... Yeah, That probably I mean, wasn't going to work out the way you thought it was. Right. I mean, they were definitely mistaken. It would take police a few days, but upon releasing the CCTV footage... A woman recognized Thompson and Venables and called the police to report them. The city was in such an uproar that before police had Thompson and Venables, they had another boy as a suspect. And I'm not sure how this boy became a suspect. Maybe he just looked similar to one of those boys on the CCTV footage. He had nothing to do with the crime. 
but the town was in such an uproar that the family had to flee the town because of threats against them. Wow. You know, how big of a town are we talking about? So neither of us knew the answer to this question. I didn't think to look that up. So Jeff has Googled the answer to that question, and he has it for you. <laughs> and the answer is, so it sounds like it was just a suburb of Leeds with like a population between like sixty and 70,000 people. So not a small town. When Thompson and Venables were investigated, blood from little James was found on their shoes. The prosecutor stated during the trial that the boys had attempted to kidnap another child earlier in the day. But the mother spotted the boys walking off with her child and yelled for the child to come back, and the child did. I feel like what a cruel world we live in where one mother got lucky and got to continue to hold her child and watch him grow up where the other did not. And for no other reason than two 10-year-old boys decided to do something horrible. And don't you think that other mother kind of has some kind of, at least a little bit of responsibility in a public shopping center once you see something like that happen? I mean, I guess you can assume it was innocent, but I don't know, man. Like, I feel like we can say that all day long, but I feel like if that mother would have called and said, these boys seem to be trying to lure my child away. I, I had my back turned and he was walking away with them. They would have said, did a crime happen? Or at least where are your parents? Nope. Aren't you supposed to be in school? No crime happened here. You know, There's a crime. Truancy. Well, they are supposed to be in school. That right. So what the fuck are you doing here? You're up to something. I know it. I get the impression they did it often, though. I'll tell you what. There have been times when I had my children like out of school for some reason or another. Like, Say they had a doctor's appointment. And we went to like a store or something and we were near a cop and they were like, why are your children out of school? I'm their mom. <laughs> what are you talking about? Why are my children? Because I said that they can be out of school today. <laughs> what are you talking about? We're not out abducting two-year-olds. So just relax. According to The Guardian, the prosecutor told the jury this. You may wonder why we go through this spectacle in such detail. One of the matters that the prosecution seeks to prove is that this whole thing was a joint enterprise from beginning to end. You will see time and time again how each boy has a hold of one hand. Each plays a significant part. During the trial, the boys were identified as only child A and child B. They were both convicted and jailed. So they were afraid that one child was going to get the blame over another? Over, over the other, I guess. I think so, that they were going to pinpoint one as the ringleader and maybe give a lesser charge to the other or, you know. Do you know if they were both, did they both have the same defense attorney? I did not look Because if up. they didn't, one could, like, play against the other. Like, he made him do it. Right, right. You know. Yeah, I mean, that could have gone all sorts of ways to try to get one or the other out, Right out of trouble. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm assuming the prosecutor was probably aware of that. It almost sounds like they may have had a separate counsel. So both boys were convicted and jailed, but upon turning 18 in 2001, Thompson and Venables were released and given new identities, both of their identities being protected by an unprecedented injunction. This injunction is worldwide. So if you so much as attempt to search for either of their identities or addresses online, there's potential to be jailed there. Yeah, I don't know about this. I, I, I don't know. I'm kind of torn by it, to be honest. Like, why? Despite, I mean, I get it. It's a horrific crime. They're young. But you're still prosecuting them. I don't see why, they have to get, why we have to have this special treatment. I don't either. I mean, 
it seems like they have really gone to great lengths to protect these two just because they were so young when this crime occurred. I understand that they want them to have a fair chance at life, but there's Why? also punishment. Why? Why should they have a fair chance? I know the, the two-year-old boy didn't. Right. But, you know, child offenders, there's a, there's a whole thing where they want them to have a chance to have a normal life because they feel that they're not as responsible as adult offenders. But there should still be a significant punishment for murder, no matter how old you are. Agreed. Venable seemed to be in and out of trouble with the law once he was released. He was incarcerated again twice for child pornography, once in 2010 and once in 2017. He has been caught with cocaine. Fighting has been in the mix. He has also possessed a pedophile manual. I had never heard of such a thing in my life, but apparently people write manuals. This one in particular was explaining how to have sex with a little girl. Like how to lure them and just the whole... I don't know because I'm not looking you don't really want actual to, yeah, you don't want to search that. to review that because gross, that cannot be in my search history. I don't want that in my Google search history. Um, but apparently this was not something that was covered by the law. And in 2014, the government did start addressing to close this gap in the law. It was... It was like they didn't expect that to happen either, right? Like when they made the law, they made it against like pictures right. and, you know, stuff that had happened. And I guess that probably hadn't happened yet. Nobody, nobody none, of, none of the normal people in the world had imagined that pedophiles would create manuals. So I was going to write this book called How to Build a Nuclear Bomb. I'm not actually bombing anything. Right. <laughs> I'm also not possessing anything. <laughs> you know, right. There's could no. blow up. There's no pornography pictures in the manual. Right, just perhaps some drawings. <laughs> I don't, yeah, I don't even think it was that. I think it was strictly just words. That's crazy. It's. And who does? Who puts that out like. How disgusting. I need to let other people know. I need to share my wisdom with the world via a manual. On, on how to do the most horrendous, disgusting act. It's fucked up. They were able to correct the law, and it now does can contain a clause against advice or guidance in sexually abusing children, which I was kind of thrown off. I think that should be in abusing uh, children at all. Duh. I didn't think sexually <laughs> should be specified there, but I mean, I mean, I just read one thing of, of it. You know, it could have been uh, maybe somewhere else it has a, a different clause, you know. Thompson has not reoffended since his release. He was originally thought to be the ringleader in the murder. He was the one that endured the abuse of childhood, you know, he was kind of a bully in school. Everybody thought that Venables was kind of doing his bidding. Um, but he did well during his childhood incarceration. And since his release, he has come out as gay. He's been doing well in a stable relationship. And there have been no leaks to his identity or arrests. So then how do you know that then? I don't know. I kind of wondered that. But somebody does know. You know, somebody knows. I don't know. There's a there's a reporter that's allowed to know <laughs> to keep tabs on them. There's I'm not sure. Because it, it was like it was a reporter from the UK that did have that information. Um, I, I mean, I'm sure that they're they're I guess there would have to be some kind of like little maybe not like a task force. But I can't think of a better term that just like keeps an a eye on A little team that, yeah, that definitely is watching be. their movements and they're probably tracked at least in some way. And I mean, and I'm I'm glad for him. I mean, he is the one that had the um, 
you know, the bad childhood and whatnot, maybe he needed structure because, I mean, how do you not do well in regular life and then go into a, a child prison um, atmosphere and start actually, like, thriving? Yeah, I mean, it could be. I, I mean, I'm picturing, like, some sort of, like, youth home or something, not really. Yeah, I didn't specifically see what know. it was, but they... It, they didn't say it was actual prison. I'm assuming it was it was a place for children. So there was the, you know, there's the question of why did they do this? And one assumption was sexual gratification. And that at the time psychologists really felt was not shown. But looking into their later lives, I mean, maybe not so much Thompson as even though he he always come out to be gay and this was a boy. I mean, I don't think that has any any relevance whatsoever. But Venables, you know, he has had the child porn charges, and I think that 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 could be relevant. Maybe there was some, you know, sexual gratification there. But people blamed horror films. Apparently, they had just seen um, the third Chucky movie. Oh God! Come on. I don't know. I don't buy that at all. And this is as um, my son has asked if he can watch Predator, and <laughs> I'm going to. Oh, let okay, him watch so if he watches Predator and starts running through the jungle, be turning himself invisible and killing mercenaries, I guess they they have a point. But I don't think that's going to happen. I think you're okay. Right. You know what this actually this reminds me of a movie. To be honest, like I don't know if you ever saw it, The Good Son with Macaulay Culkin. Mm, I mean, I saw that years ago, but I can't. It Where was he was so just like ago. evil. I remember it being as very in the scary. Fruits of the Devil, evil. Like it was bad. Not the Home Alone Macaulay Culkin you remember. <laughs> <laughs> so, according to Metro.com.uk, protecting Venable's identity alone has cost the government sixty-five thousand euros, which today is roughly. Almost $80,000 U.S. dollars. But depending on the times the transaction took place, I mean, it can fluctuate a lot, the U.S. dollar. Yeah, no, I get it. I'm just saying that that's not an astronomical amount of money, but still, in my opinion. I think the argument is just it's a lot simply to protect the identity of a murderer. It is. In that regard, it is. And this is because this is because of the danger to him. If people knew his identity, the they, you know, I think the government thinks that they would hurt them and they stand by their reasoning in protecting him. I wonder if the family of the, the victim protested that at all. They did. I bet. Yeah. There have been many other people fined or jailed due to this case as well. There have been a number of people that have claimed to know the identity of Venables and put pictures of other people out there like incorrect people with claims that it was him and these people were charged because they had put someone else's life at risk which is a a root cause of their identities being changed like that wouldn't happen if this wasn't the situation right so now other people are being affected that had nothing to do with it and at least at one point and possibly even a few times people did actually get the the identity of Venables and put his picture online and you know with things like share this as soon as possible you know like they they wanted it to go around they wanted people to see it they wanted people to know his name's kind of i feel like a protest because they don't as a society they don't feel that this is right 
Yeah, I mean, it's hard to it's hard to argue against that, to be honest. And Denise Bulger wants justice. She doesn't feel like it has been served in this case. She says she understands that why they don't want them to be in jail for the rest of their lives, but she just doesn't feel that the punishment that they had was enough. No, eight years in a youth home. Right. And, and then that's it. Just, just get to and then protection. Walk right out. And then, yeah, and then protected on top of it. Yeah, I can see how she feels definitely slighted in this. Yeah, me too. And you can watch her speak. There's multiple episodes of, it's like a YouTube video podcast called Loose Women. I feel like that's not about what I think it's about. I think it's supposed to be loose-lipped women. Um, <laughs> I was a little, I was a little taken back from the name at first, but um, like I think I would be I think, highly disappointed in the contents of that podcast if I were to look it they're, up. They're making a stand, you know, loose women. We're loose women. We're loose-lipped women, and um, they should really rebrand. I don't think that's going. But it's a it's a UK-based podcast, and she does quite a few episodes on what it's like to have lost her son and about what she would like to happen with the case and how she would like to see punishment served. So that concludes our podcast for today. You can follow us on Facebook now, Coffee Murder and Mystery. You can find us on Twitter at Coffee Murder underscore. If you have any questions, comments, concerns, or contributions, you can email us at coffeemurdermystery at gmail.com. Stay safe. Evil people are everywhere. Tell somebody you love them. Bye. Bye Bye-bye. Thanks for tuning in to Coffee, Murder, and Mystery.